welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by co-host Ryan Donnelly. Uh, we are recording moments after the end of the 2023 season. Uh, Michigan is the national champion of this season, beating Washington in the championship game 34-13. to And we are here to break it down in the best way that we can. Uh, it was a game without a ton of action actually happening. There were a couple key moments, but... It was a lot of not much, uh, and then Michigan won. Ryan, wellness check. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I fucking hate life in the entire world at the moment. Um, I feel like there has been some sort of curse on me by God specifically, um, and it, <laughs> it feels like uh, everything in sports for the last couple of years has been designed to torture me. Um, but besides that, yeah, I'm doing fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, besides, I mean, Steelers are in the playoffs, right? Aren't they? I, I think they are. Oh, who gives a fuck about that? Another, <laughs> I can't wait to lose the wild card again for the ninth time since 2016, despite there not even being that many years. Yeah. Um, hey, the uh, the winning the the above 500 streak stays alive. They keep on doing it. Most stable pro, most stable franchise in football, baby. They don't. They just. They just don't do it. Um, I don't know that for oh, a yeah, fact, actually. Oklahoma football. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the dream of every man to become Oklahoma football. Um, yeah, that's uh, – and I, it probably – I mean, it probably doesn't help <laughs> that, that Michigan um, did this so distinctly with a, an advantage in – uh, like the actual physical training of its players, given the guy directing that is, you know, from a, a, a direct uh, descendant of the line that you have been uh, preaching uh-huh. for for years. I can't imagine that 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 makes you feel any better <laughs> to be proven so distinctly right on such a such a large stage, given the circumstances. No, no, it sure doesn't, Patrick. That's yeah. no uh, that's no comfort to me. There is no part of this where I'm gonna like cope about being right about. Like I, I think you know. <laughs> There were, <laughs> like, there were parts of this game I feel like, I, I don't know, fairly, like, I, I did fairly well in the predictions on, I think, from our preview show or just from things I've said about college football over my entire life. Um, <laughs> you know, I think there's certainly a lot of things I can point to. Like, oh, I was right about that guy. Uh, there are plenty I was wrong about also coming out of this game. But, yeah, I mean, Ben Herbert is the best coach in the country. Um, he probably has been since Matt Ray. Uh, left for the New Orleans Saints when he left Alabama. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, uh, it's, I mean, it's deeply frustrating, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's probably something like what, and this is obviously a much smaller scale because very few people know college and conditioning coaches, but I imagine it's like what it's like watching for Ohio State fans in the 90s to watch Charles Woodson kill it or Desmond Howard yeah. kill it at Michigan. Uh, just, you know, I mean, like Ben Herbert's not an Ohio native. He's actually a Whitfield guy, which makes it, even worse for me, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having a, a, a disciple of a Columbus legend, Ohio legend, and Ohio State fan, Lee Simmons, who is the greatest strength coach in, you know, the history of the Western world, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and to ignore him for a decade while your rival uh, basically takes his practices and trainings and, 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 you know, applies them in a very dedicated fashion, like very close to by the book. Uh, and, and to great success, uh, proving my theory exactly right in the biggest stage. Yeah, that fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's uh, it's it's a small, it's a small consolation, and essentially a small consolation is no consolation at all. But I think the 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 strength and conditioning advantage, the size, the physicality advantage, whatever you want to call it, is probably the place to start in talking about this game. 
Um, like I said, there there wasn't a ton going on here in terms of like actual distinct plays you can really talk about. There were a couple big runs early on for Michigan, and then there was a whole lot of nothing. Uh, I think there were two Mike Penix interceptions, the second one that kind of seals a game that was already pretty close to sealed. Um, but it, it was a lot of just Michigan getting out in front early. It looked like Michigan was going to run away with it. It, it, it. In the first quarter, specifically, I don't remember exactly. It was like 17-3. to um, It was 14-3, to and Washington punted, and Michigan, I think, had a big Blake Corum run, and it, it looked like they were just going to run away with it. And they didn't quite do that, but they jumped out to an early lead, and Washington just never really got going um there were there was a I, I think really just one moment where it looked like Washington might get going and, and that was at the end of the second quarter and then into the second half where they cut it down to 20 to 13 and then they get the ball out of the half it, it, it felt like that could be a spot where the momentum had shifted and Washington Washington could take advantage and then on the very first play of the second half Michael Penix throws in an interception um, ridiculous play from Will Johnson to to haul that in. I think it was pretty clearly a, an interception and and you know and a catch, but it was still it was a preposterous play that he managed to to pull it in. Yeah. Um, and then that was pretty much it. That was pretty much the end of the end of that. And I, I think Michigan got a field goal out of that. Um, but it, it just never really Washington just never really got going. And I think that it's. It's a testament to Michigan's defense, which I, I thought was tremendous, obviously. To hold Washington to 13 mm-hmm. points is, is impossible. Um, and they, they were they were really good. Um, this was not a good night for really much of anything on, on Washington, but specifically not that, that highly touted offense, and deservedly so highly touted. Um, and it just never... It never. It was never really a game. It was never it, outside of that brief moment at the end of the first half and into the second half. It never really felt like Washington was in it, and it was because Michigan just so thoroughly dominated both lines of scrimmage, and they were so, they were so strong and they were so powerful up front. And even that, even though it didn't generate like a ton of offense for Michigan, they had enough. They had enough to win the national championship. Um, it it did enough that they could create those big plays that they needed. And then I think more importantly, it did enough that Washington couldn't create really much of anything on offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I I do think you know, <laughs> uh, uh, I tweeted earlier today that I didn't think you know I, I thought that Michigan would have success running the football, but wouldn't do anything like you know, run for 300 yards at uh, six yards a clip, which is exactly what they did, uh, which obviously sucks. Uh, that happened a lot from big explosives. Michigan had several of them, the Russian attack. I do think Washington, I mean, look, like who? it's it's small solace whenever you give up 300 yards rushing, but like their efficiency on Russian defense wasn't bad. Like, I don't think down to down they were getting smacked in the trenches too yeah. badly. Yeah, of they're... course, when it counted, they did. And, and their their second-level tackling was horrific, Yeah, uh, which was the biggest issue. It just led to a lot of huge plays. I mean, Edwards had the two big ones. Quorum had a huge one. Uh, I think there were a few others that I'm forgetting here. And just some smaller chunk plays, right? The Khalil Molly ones early. Uh, a few others out there. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I think Michigan, <laughs> no fucking duh here, but Ran the football extremely well. Um, the explosives buoyed that. I do think Washington, for a good chunk of the game, bowed up, and the defense did their job for a while. But with the offense just sputtering completely, 
uh, and Michigan being, as we talked about, as strong as it is, as well conditioned as it is, uh, and, and with the endurance they have, uh, the Washington defense wore down and couldn't sustain it. Michigan, you know, yeah. grinded it out to win. Yeah, um, well, which, and, is, which and, is what they do. And yeah. I mean, like even at the uh, near the end there, where Michigan kind of p- puts the nail in the coffin and and finishes it off. It wasn't like Washington's defense had exactly the best situations to work with. I mean, the the, the touchdown at the very end, which really was just kind of the, you know, somebody's going to have to score. You're on like the one yard line. It doesn't really matter at this point. You might as well score. Um, that drive started at like the nine yard line. It was not. It was not ideal circumstances for Washington's defense for a lot of this game, and Michigan did enough <laughs> offensively like I said did enough and and when you run for 300 yards it's hard to complain too much about your offensive output but like I don't know I don't think that Michigan's offense ran Washington's defense off the field I thought Washington's defense for the most part played pretty well and, and kept them in the game and it was the thing that has led them through all season that failed them um outside of I mean and these you know the big plays still they still count those yards still count and the touchdowns still count. But like, I don't know. I can't, I can't really blame the Washington defense a ton for like the Bozo Donovan Edwards touchdown run. That was, that was just, he ran into, <laughs> he ran into a, a mass of 12 Isn't players. Isn't that the perfect description of it too? Like, I yeah. mean, the guy was fucking terrible all season. Guy, yeah. I don't think anyone would argue. He, yeah. I, you know, I wouldn't Michigan even, fans, including our buddy Dan thought he sucked. Over yeah. Everybody, uh, when, 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 uh, when he wasn't in the game early on, uh, everybody was like, cheer, they were celebrating and then, he, and then he comes out and runs into four offensive linemen asses and bounces outside for a very stupid touchdown. It's like the touchdown still counts. It's, it's worth it. <laughs> The same number of points but it does feel it it, it it does feel a little bit like I don't know what you want him to do at that point he probably should have been down realistically he should have gone down but he didn't go yeah. down and that's that's really the it's a it's a you know a zero-sum game he didn't go down if, and if, so he scored if any team if any team could have gotten Donovan Edwards and A.D. Mitchell on the same football team their offense would score a thousand points in the playoff yeah, uh, and you know, twelve <laughs> points per game every yeah. week outside. Yeah, they would have gone zero uh, and twelve, and then won the championship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, what can you do, man? Uh, it, it's uh, obviously it's fucking miserable. Um, <laughs> I, I do. Th- I know they gave Will Johnson defensive player of the game. He did make that fantastic pick. Um, I, I don't really feel like. I was, I don't know, Will Johnson, like, was giving up a lot of space in the room of Tuesday. I thought, like, yeah. if, if Penix hits a few better throws here, um, it, I mean, Michael Penix, we haven't talked about too much yet, but he was just downright bad, Yeah. right? Yeah, uh, he was not. People, and I'm sure to, like, Coke will, will point out that he was banged up in the second half with yeah. ribs after a few shots, but he sucked before that. That wasn't why. Um, he spit the bit. It was good. Yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. It was, it was, I mean, I would. I would say his worst performance of the season and he, he picked a really bad time for it. And it's, uh, it's a, it's a cosmic injustice that his career in college football, such a, a storied and, and deservedly so storied career, uh, ends this way, but it did. He, he didn't play well. He, he played, I would say really, really poorly. And before even before the injury. And, and I think that the injuries obviously affected him down the stretch, but, Early on, he had plenty of missed throws. He he had just he was high all game. He, the the throws were always high. It was always just a little bit too high, and I don't know 
if that was more of a him thing, I, I think Michigan did a really good job of getting pressure on him. Um, they, you know, they hit him enough. I, I don't know. I don't have the sack number in front of me and game on paper is not reliable for sack numbers. Um, but they hit him a ton and he just, he was never really there. He was never really settled into the game. And, and I don't really think that it was, I don't think it had a whole lot to do with anybody behind the front four, basically, for Michigan. I think that the front four was was responsible for that, um, much more so certainly than Will Johnson. He had the great interception, but I kind of thought he got his ass kicked for most of the game. Roma Dunze was open. I mean, he was open for most of the game. He was open several times. There were, sev- there were several, like, wide fucking open plays, and, and only a couple of them, couple of them actually were converted. I think there was one hold that called one back. There was another one that was just an awful throw on fourth and something, fourth and three, fourth and four, um, that should have been a, a touchdown that maybe would have changed the momentum of the game. Um, I don't really think I would attribute that to Will Johnson. He wasn't there. He wasn't, he was not involved in the play. He was in the wrong spot. And I, I think Roma Dunze won that battle and Michael Penix just didn't hit him, which is, I, I don't really know that you could have predicted that because he's never done that. That's not something that, that has been really an issue for him this season when not playing in like a pouring rain. Michigan did a tremendous job of pressuring him, of of changing his timing and of just getting him off rhythm. He never really found the, the flow of the game and Washington's offense without him hitting those those open throws uh, understandably just stalled. I don't know. I don't know what you can do when your quarterback isn't hitting those open throws. They had guys open at times. It just didn't matter because he, he could not, he couldn't reliably find and, and connect with them, which is not just, it's not been an issue before. I don't know how you plan for that because it's not happened with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, you could maybe look at the Oregon State game, but again, that was played in like a downpour of, of freezing rain. Uh, I wouldn't really call it comparable. Like this is just, it, it's the worst game he's played at Washington, basically. And it, it... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. You know, like there's a few things in this game that happened, hadn't happened all year. Like Michigan hit rushing explosives. Uh, Michael Penix played like absolute dog shit. Uh, Don Edwards was good. Um, you know, there, I... <laughs> yeah shit sucks dude <laughs> it was, it was I, don't a, have a, it I don't was, have a ton of extra analysis <laughs> yeah it was a it was a significant uh, confluence of events i will give credit again to michigan's defense which i thought was tremendous i mean they they were the best defense in the country this season and they proved yeah they it. belong in the same discussion as 2021 yeah they've been fantastic yeah and and like I don't need to give that. I don't have to give that credit to Will Johnson. I don't have to. Uh, I think that that is very much just a pick of like, well, who had the interception? <laughs> if anything, give it to fucking Mike Zaymer still, who I thought was better than than Will Johnson. I thought Will Johnson was just kind of out there getting some exercise. Um, but the the difference here was the Michigan defensive line, and it was it was so clearly and definitively the Michigan defensive line. And I get that it's hard to. Uh, pick out singular guys from a unit like that because there were not again there were not a ton of sacks there wasn't a ton of like individual stats but you know the guys who were on that line they were all excellent um mason graham was was terrific uh he's the one who stands out most but like chris jenkins was really good everybody who they put in on that defensive line was really good and washington just could not 
could not get over that. They they could not move beyond that because Michigan's defensive line did not allow them to. Michigan's defensive line dictated the the pace of the entire game and really kind of I think all the other stuff that happened in this game is is as strange as it is to say kind of ancillary. That was the whole game. That was it. When when you hold Washington this Washington team specifically to 13 points it's it's not going to take a lot from your offense. It's not really going to take a whole lot from anybody else on the on the on the team to win that game if you're going to hold these guys to 13 points. And I just I, I the big the big explosive plays early on from the rushing attack were were obviously huge for Michigan, but they won this game with their defensive line, and that was just about it. That was the whole game, and it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to go beyond that. That was it. That was the definitive thing that decided who won this football game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fair. And it's, uh, again, Michigan built their program this way too, right? Like, I mean, they, um, I think their approach to roster construction, the way they play along the margins and what they did uh, is the way this resulted in. Like they brought in a ton of offensive linemen, both the recruiting classes, via the transfer portal. Um, they built their core of their team around that. Uh, they built their SNC to reflect it. Uh, they built a running game to work behind it. Um, all of that was intentional. Uh, and it worked. I mean, they, and, and like, look, <laughs> this is not to disparage Michigan at all, I promise. But like, they built this in the style that an SEC team builds a team, which is to wildly oversign, yeah. to cut underperforming for players, underperforming players rather, uh, to build around physicality and trench play uh, and a great defense. And it, it's a team that I don't think, like, if you put them on the field against 21 or 22 Georgia, they don't beat them. Uh, we saw one of those games played, obviously. But it's in the same mold, right? It's in the same the same idea, which is that yeah. if you have a quarterback who can run your offense uh, and you have good enough running backs, you know, great line play and an elite defense, uh, you don't need the the high fly passing attacks we saw of the you know twenty Alabama or twenty nineteen LSU championships. It kind of became the meta in college football for a while, uh, for quite a while. And not to say those teams can't win, um, but they can't do without great line play. There are very few exceptions to teams that have won championships that have excellent line play. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, and, I mean, look, Michigan had the best trench play over the course of the season. Yeah, and, and, like, I think that there was a path for that. LSU didn't have amazing line play in 2021. We talked about this in the preview. The path was not this, though. It was not Michael Penix Jr. having his worst game of, of his Washington career. That's just... It's not going to do it. You don't have enough else, you know, going on. If he can't, if he can't play well, if he can't have another another superstar game, and he just he just didn't, and that's that's kind of it. And I think that Michigan had a, a you know a significant role on that. Clearly, I thought that they were extremely well prepared, and their their defense writ large played very very well. Um, outside of really the first drive for Washington, which still only ended in a in a field goal for another missed pass on third down that probably should have been a touchdown. Um, I thought their tackling was excellent. Uh, that, that first drive, it was a little bit shaky, and then they, they settled in. Um, but when you have a, a team that is so you know intertwined with a superstar quarterback and your superstar quarterback just kind of looks like some guy out there, you're not going to win a lot of games. And Washington 
had 14 games, I think, this year, or, or roughly 14 games, where he either looked amazing and played like a superstar, or they didn't play a team that was good enough to take advantage of him not looking amazing. And this time they got the the the, the confluence of events that they could not afford, which is that he played like shit, and they played a team that was good enough to take advantage. Um, on the... On the Michigan offense side of things, I thought Blake Corum again played really well. This was probably the two best games of, of his season, right? Uh, the the playoff, the two playoff games, yeah. the semifinal, and then the championship. Yeah, he, he had been slowed down a bit, and clearly was better this time. Yeah, and, and he, you know, he was really good. He played really well. He had two touchdowns. He was he he looked like the old Blake Corum, and I think that he is uh, probably. I mean not even probably, pretty clearly the offensive MVP for Michigan of this playoff run. His The way that he stepped up was absolutely crucial for them to winning the Alabama game. I don't know if it was quite as crucial here, but it certainly helped to have a guy who's just churning out yards and consistently, good yards consistently. Um, the the rushing attack did its job. The passing attack, I thought, was, was pretty shitty. I, I really... They tried it for like a drive and a half at the end of the second quarter, and then Washington almost came back and completely shifted the momentum. And then Michigan yeah. very quickly realized, oh, we just shouldn't let JJ throw the ball. Um, we just yeah, don't. And, and we what, just don't need him to throw the ball because, like, I, listen, I this, know, I know what the stats say. JJ McCarthy's not very fucking good. He's just not. I've watched him play. He's no. just not very and, good. And they can, look, and they're going to be able to talk their shit and write whatever history they want, right? I mean, history is written by the victors. That's, it's, it's it didn't matter. True. Like what? But I, it didn't matter. Yeah, what, like, like why I'm are we, sorry. They could say <laughs> McCarthy's not a good quarterback. Why are we man? lying about I've it watched, now? You won the championship. He sucks. You won the championship. It's fine. Despite having, despite having a mediocre quarterback. It's the same thing Georgia did. You have the fucking title now. I guess that's my only ask of all this, not that they need to give me anything, is now that you guys have the title in your hand, can you also stop pretending that J.J. McCarthy is a, a really good quarterback? Can we just yeah. get that charade out of the way? I, I don't, that's all I want. I don't care about his fucking QBR. I've watched him play. He can't throw the football in the right place. He stinks. He's just some guy. Yeah. And you still won a championship. You should be proud of that. Stop lying yeah. about J.J. McCarthy. Let's just be serious for a minute. Uh, so I, I guess look the game is the game we, we we also have on the field i'm curious to talk about and i know the game just happened but I, i'm not obviously i'm not very happy about this i think we've covered the game uh i'm kind of curious to talk about where washington and michigan go from here um yeah. and i know this erodes our ethos some of the games in the field i don't give a fuck this game is miserable yeah i'm not gonna pretend to like it or want to talk about it more than we have to I, we I'll, covered it. The game yeah, happened. I'll yeah. I'll say real quick as I as I crack open beer number three on the mic. Let's let's get this nice. Oh yeah, drinking a <laughs> drinking a bourbon bu- bourbon mule over here from Copper Can. Very good. Full and en- full endorsement of that. And also of course of HomeFieldApparel.com. Use code Meet at Midfield for fifteen percent off your first purchase. Um, the. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so much to talk about here. I I think that that to do this game justice, there's there's not a whole lot you need to do. Michigan's lines were much better, uh, and that was it. That's the end of the football game. Washington didn't get the star performance it needed from its star quarterback, and Michigan won in the trenches, and that was it. Washington could not win this game without a superstar performance from Michael Penix, and he did not. He didn't deliver it. I don't know what else there really is to say about it. I I, I think it's. 
I think it's fair to I think it's fair to do a little bit of projecting forward after a game that just frankly doesn't give us all that much to talk about. There there again, like I said at the beginning, there were only four or five things that really happened in this game. For a lot of it, it was just kinda on on, you know, super sim. <laughs> just kinda flying by. Everybody's just wasting time, trading punts, not really doing a whole lot of anything. There's only so much to talk about in that, and I, I think that the the future of these two programs, which are two programs that are going to look very different next season in different ways, but that are likely going to look very different next season, is is interesting and is probably worth discussing as we move forward into a, a 2024 season where both of these teams will obviously be talked about as much as teams that were in the national championship deserve to be talked about, but also they're going to look really different than they did in this game. So in that in that conversation, where do you want to start first with this? Because I think that the, the conversation for these two is, is pretty different. Um, Michigan, obviously, there's some questions about Jim Harbaugh and his future, uh, given his propensity for being interested in NFL jobs that are seemingly now interested in him, and Washington losing pretty much its entire core from this team. Which, which which of these two storylines stands out to you more as we move forward into 2024 here? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the Washington one is, is pretty easy. I, I think they're going to take a significant step back. Um, I would imagine. I, I don't know. Yeah. I would, imagine. I don't know which of the, it's, it's kind of early to say which of these guys are returning, but at, at a minimum, they're probably going to be losing, uh, Penix, Odunze, and McMillan, right? Maybe Polk as well. I, I haven't checked eligibility on this stuff. Um, I don't know about Dylan Johnson. He's been in college football for quite a while. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of the core of this team, which to, to be clear, the core of the team was the offense, right? I mean, like, Braylon Trice has gone too, and he was great. But the core of this team, I think the power that's gone, and they're replacing Michael Penix with Will Rogers, who, who I don't personally have a ton of faith in. Yeah. And sure, the Jeremiah Hunter edition is nice. Uh, maybe they cobble together a good offense again. I think Rub and and uh, and Kalen DeBoer are great offensive coaches. Um, they're great coaches overall. Rather, Rub being you know kind of the, the play caller there. I think they're going to figure out a way to not like plummet. I don't think it's going to be TCU like uh, in the collapse, but I yeah. don't think it's going to be anywhere close to this. Well, right? I, I think they're even like big. Yeah, on the, on the TCU front, I'll say Kalen DeBoer is an infinitely better football coach than Sonny Dykes. <laughs> of course, yeah. Of course, it yeah. is. They are in different. They are in different universes regarding their ability to coach football. I think Sonny Dykes just got fucking lucky. I think we can say that now with a with a year of of being able to be able to look back and in retrospect. I think he just got lucky. I think he just got totally lucky and and backed into it. Kalen DeBoer did not. He's a he's won every place he's been. I think they'll be fine in the future. The the the, the portal additions, like you mentioned, I, I love Jeremiah Hunter. I think he's a tremendous player, and he's going to fit perfectly into this offense. I, I like Trey Watson a lot, the tight end from Fresno State. I like some of the sure. guys they're bringing in. B.J. Green, again, from, from uh, as well, rather, from Arizona State, a really good defensive lineman. They have guys who you can, you can talk yourself into. Um, it's not going to be this. Of course it's not going to be this. This is you're, – you're losing – you're losing the heart of the whole thing. You're losing the best receivers. You're losing the quarterback. You're losing a significant chunk of your defense. They're going to be really different. I think they'll be fine long term. I'm not. I'm really not worried about Kalen DeBoer and his ability to build this program. But in 2024, it probably is going to be a step back to something closer to like eight and four, which is fine. Yeah, that's not the end I of the world. I would be. 
No. And I would be, basically, the way I define it is, I'd be stunned if they were in the Big Ten title race um, much longer after Halloween. I think that they play yeah. USC on Halloween weekend, and I don't know what USC's going to look like, but... Probably bad. I guess by around, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but their final four games are USC at Penn State, UCLA, by week at Oregon. Uh, earlier Jesus. in the year, they play Michigan. Yeah, they play Michigan and then at Iowa back to back. They they have a, a rough go of it. I um, <laughs> oh. I'm not very optimistic about them. Like I, I think eight and four, seven and five, something like that's probably in the cards. We'll find out closer to. I'm not pressed about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll say we can we can extend the grace to them as long as they don't go fucking five and seven. Um, just don't go five yeah. and seven, and I'm not gonna be all that worried about you. Even I mean, honestly, I just trust this staff and and you know yeah. <laughs> the, the way that they operate it, more than I do TCU. But just win right. like seven or eight games. And start building towards something else. Maybe get another quarterback who isn't Will Rogers that we can start getting excited about here. Will Rogers is not going to happen. Will Rogers is fine. <laughs> um, I hope you have a freshman who you like. <laughs> I hope you have a young uh... guy who can step in because Will Rogers is forty. Uh... <laughs> because Will Rogers is forty-five years old. Uh, he's not going to be there forever. You can't. You can only have they so signed, many years uh... of, of Will Rogers. Um, they signed the Austin Mack kid and. 2023 class will be a redshirt freshman next season. How many? Uh, he how many he's a top 100 kids. How many guys does this sport need to have who are named Austin Mack? We've had so many Too Austin's many. Mack. Yeah. We don't need any more Austin. He, uh, the Ohio State one, by the way. I just found this out today. He went for 1,200 receiving yards in the CFL and won the Grey Cup and just signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Let's go. Good for him. Yeah. He he was yeah, uh, he was just some guy. He was just, just totally just some guy yep. who they found. Uh, good for him. Seems like the legacy of like Ohio State's third or fourth best receiver on a team going to play for the CFL is long and rich. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah, you know Zach Smith is is uh he's 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 you know tapping his chest for that one. I did that. That's me. He's putting the Joe Biden sticker on that one. He did. Uh, good shit, man. You you really developed that guy. You really made him any. You really made him more than like the number two hundred and forty seven player in his in his recruiting class. He definitely <laughs> grew after that. That's for sure. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I, I would like to see. You know. I'd like to see just what the, the, the future looks like for for Washington. I don't imagine that the future is going to be, in the immediate term, super positive. Win some games. Win, win seven or eight games. Pull off an upset or two. Be a tough place to play. Start building towards 2025, 2026. I'm not super worried about them. I, I, I think that if you're Washington, obviously it sucks to lose this core and to, to finish it this way, but... You've got a really, really, really good football coach, and you have a, a a really good football coach who a lot of people in college football like. And when I say people, I mean coaches. I mean assistants. I mean people who who are important for continuing your success. I think even after somebody like Ryan Grubb eventually gets the head coaching job that he probably deserves, um, he'll be fine. He he's he's not new to this. He knows people. He knows how to hire. He's a damn good football coach. I think Washington's going to be fine. 2024 is about surviving and, and finding your footing in the Big Ten. It is not necessarily about contending at this level. That that seems like kind of an unfair expectation to put on these guys. That would be a lot. That would be a lot to ask. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%. Um, to, to talk about Michigan, it's a little bit of a different uh, talk here because there's so much unknown about these guys, right? Like, I mean... 
whether or not you can get into the sanctions, just the, the very obvious years-long desire of Jim Harbaugh to go to the NFL is still there. There were still rumors yeah. popping up the week of this game. Well, and, um, I, and I, Santa Ono was like on there on the stage after the title win, saying he was trying uh, very hard to keep him, but he doesn't know what he's going to do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which I think is probably not the best. Life. But I mean, also, who cares? Uh, I mean, he got the title. Uh, you're pretty happy with the thing he has. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I yes, as I was posting the he's so quirky, love him image, where Jim Harbaugh's yeah. holding the bag of chips above his head. Um, yeah, you're fine. If you're Michigan, you got you got what you wanted. You got the championship. You 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 did it. And whatever happens in the immediate future is uh, gravy, <laughs> you know. And and I, and I think that they will probably, with some of the stuff that we talked about earlier, with like the strength and conditioning stuff, I think they're probably gonna stay pretty good i don't know exactly who's staying and who's leaving from this team um i'm curious just to see what these next couple days look like for for draft departures for transfers for whatever because you're kind of put on hold when you're playing in the game this late um i guess the portal is is closed so if you're if you're a backup who is playing decent snaps but not a ton and you wanted a starting job you're you're kind of shit out of luck here until the spring but um, I, I'm curious to see what some of those draft decisions will be. I would, I would imagine a decent amount of this core is probably going to depart because they did what they wanted to do. And I would imagine that Jim Harbaugh is probably going to be a part of that. Um, I, I have a hard time, I have a hard time caring about like the, the potential impending sanctions because like I saw them do it, you know, I saw, I saw them win it. I know that they did. I don't really care what the record books say, and that's really the the extent beyond like suspending coaches uh, who might not be here anyway. In in Harbaugh's case, that's really kind of the extent of what the NCAA is capable of. Um, and I saw them do it; they won, <laughs> and and I don't think that Michigan fans are ever going to just let that like it's not something that can be wiped from our brains. They did it; they won the championship, and so it doesn't. It doesn't really matter all that much what happens in the immediate future. I think even if you're just kind of decent in 2024, if you're just a team that has good line play because they have developed linemen at an extremely high level and continue to do so, and I think they will do so whether Harbaugh or whoever else is the head coach in, in 2024, um, and that's enough to win eight or nine games, beyond that, you won a fucking championship. What do you want? <laughs> you did it. You got the thing that you wanted. I, I, I would imagine that that's probably the, the feeling that, that exists around Michigan as well. Is like, yeah, if we're 9-3 in 2024, that's that's fine. We won the well, championship. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious, though, because, like, I think theoretically that's true, right? A lot of people are just grateful. Like, you know, I think a lot of people who are Michigan fans thought they can never win one, and, and I get the why. Uh, and to have one, sure, it's awesome. But no one ever actually acts like that. Because once you prove you can do it, Speaking as a, as a fan of a team that had this experience, right? Like when you look at Ohio State when it's first one and what was it? It was 54 years and they won uh, the, the 2002 championship. Uh, once you do that, the expectation is to compete for one every single year. When Georgia won their first one since 1980, and of course they went back to back, like now their expectation is a title game every year. You know, Alabama fans have never really had it that tough, but in between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban wasn't certainly the best experience. They want one every year. Like once you get that taste of it, 
you're never really satisfied. And, and they can say for now they are, and that emotion is going to wash over them, and I get that. No fan base in college football ever actually acts that way. Uh, so I don't know. Like, maybe one year you're fine nine and three. Yeah, but then all of a sudden the expectation of, like, hey, we've seen us put a tight on the playoff era. Go do it again, motherfucker. It kind of becomes the expectation pretty quick of whoever the coach is. Yeah. Um, so it's it's also yeah. I'll, I'll say like I don't know you look at the you look at the recent history save for LSU and even that is not really a case of of like a lack of talent it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy when you win a championship you will have more players who are championship caliber who want to play for you this is a it's, it's a boon for Michigan no matter who is leading the program they won a championship and they hadn't done that in quite some time and that that's going to have and already has yeah. had a distinct impact on the level of of guy who they're bringing in. I I think that as mm-hmm. a you know I, I don't I mean well <laughs> the rec- it will I think it will have that impact probably but the rec- maybe uh, there's a variable there but I mean like yeah their recruiting is the same it's been basically the entire Harbaugh tenure it's another it's another Michigan class it's all like, yeah well it's probably a bit lower than it was in the early years uh, if anything they were like what the 18th ranked class in the country and. Well, uh, we also don't know. Uh, look, uh, the championship bump is a very real thing. Yeah. Uh, but also, this is like the first team we've seen win a championship that wasn't built by an elite recruiter. Like, this is the first champion in the modern recruiting era, which I think goes back to like 2001, when they started really ranking classes, that won a title without signing the top five class. Yeah. No one else had ever done that. Yeah. And that, um, that was what I was going to say is like, well, it seemed like it worked out pretty well for them. <laughs> yeah, it worked out pretty well. Of course it did. And, and of course, like, they, the they have change as the transfer portal era exists. I understand yes. all this. But, yeah, absolutely. But they, they uh, I'll, I'll cut you off real quick. They've played the portal yeah. extremely well. That's the, that's the only other thing. Of course thing they have. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they that, deserve that, credit for it. And that doesn't go into uh, recruiting classes in the same way. Anyway, uh, go ahead. I would just say, equally as much as people are saying, oh, well, the transfer portal has changed the game, like the, rule, the old rules don't apply. Maybe I would also caution people to say, like, don't believe the exception to the rule is going to be the new rule. Um, sometimes an exception to the rule is just the exception. That's all it is. And it happens. Yeah. And I don't know that you're going to see, like, there's not going to be a lot of other teams that get a guy who nearly won a Super Bowl in the NFL who goes back to his alma mater and has, like, the dedication to stay through getting his ass beat by his rival for five years and going through a real valley and, you know, having his pay publicly cut and being the verge of firing to miraculously turn it around with like the perfect flurry of circumstances and also a lot of hard work and improvements uh, for three years. I, I, I would bet you're probably not going to see a lot of these come again. Yeah. I think the more likely answer is that unless you recruit at a high level, people view the portal as like a thing that's going to allow different teams to win championships. And I don't think that's true. I think it's going to allow a lot of teams that don't recruit a championship level to make runs or get to the playoff and get to the semifinals like that. But because of the way the portal erodes your depth and your talent, you need even more, I think, to be a high recruiting team to restock the cupboard every year uh, because you can't do that via the portal. You bring in starters yeah. uh, via the transfer portal, you very rarely get good depth. Or it has to be built. A team has to be built by recruiting going forward, in my opinion. Um, this is a, a, was a fantastic season for Michigan and a competition they should be proud of. But I would not say it's going to become like a repeatable path forward for other teams. Or even for them. Yeah, I'll I'll say I have I have two things on that. Yeah, one on the one on the the you have an, you have to have a lot of things go right all at once. It is a lot. You you do need to have 
<laughs> you do need to have all of the things that you mentioned, and then also your 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 chief rival in a team that has been atop the sport forever has to hire a complete and utter pussy who cannot possibly win that game. He can't do it. He's not capable. He's 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 just he's just not. <laughs> he's not. He's he's terrified. Uh, so you need to have that happen. Uh, on top of all of the other things of hiring a guy who was in the Super Bowl who, who has a, a like a kind of uh, a long running commitment to the program that keeps him there even through turmoil. Uh, that part is not repeatable. I do think that Michigan sets not necessarily a path because Michigan's development level is not really just something you can apply to your team. You can't you can't just find that like in the fucking bargain bin. Oh yeah, we got the best strength and conditioning coordinator in the country. We just found him at a target. Like no you didn't. You <laughs> you have to Michigan found that guy for a good reason and they've been able to develop around him for a good reason and it is not necessarily repeatable. But they have recruited at a high enough level that they can then develop all of those guys who they bring in, not, you know, 100% of them, but enough of those guys who they bring in to establish a core that is is recognizable as having that that elite level of of talent that you would usually get just from recruiting top five classes they're still in the top 20 every year (laughs) they're still right up there but they have managed to cover that margin with development and then they add those starters in, in the transfer portal and maybe Maybe that's a path that you can follow if you're a really, really, really smart coach who knows yeah. about, you know, who has the level of understanding of talent identification uh, that Michigan has. I think they do an excellent job in scouting recruits and bringing guys in who fit what they want to do, who fit athletically what they want to do, um, and who has a, a cohesive program that can then develop that top 15-ish class into being basically a top five class. And then you add the transfer portal. It's a lot to ask, <laughs> and I don't know that, again, I don't know that that's necessarily a blueprint for a lot of programs. There are maybe a couple who can do something kind of like that, but it does feel like Michigan is sort of a, a unique entity here because of the way that they have built this and because of the fact that they have the best strength and conditioning department in the country. Not everybody's going to have that. Really, by nature of the thing, only one team can have that, and currently Michigan has it. Um, and so as for like trying to follow the Michigan blueprint, I think it's probably a fool's errand for 99.9% of schools, maybe one or two other coaches can pull it off. I'm curious yeah, maybe to Notre see. Dame. Like I, I don't know. Yeah, right that would be a great yeah. fit if they wanted to maybe hire a better coach. Then they could do that. Um, sure. <laughs> they should. They should think about that. Um, but like it's that's that's hard to do. And I think there are some teams, some programs that are trying to do that and realizing just how hard that is to do. I think I think Wisconsin bumped up against that sometimes this season, and I still have. Yeah, I think a, Mel Tucker's Michigan State tried it. Yeah. yeah, and I still have faith in in Luke Fickle as a coach. I don't know that he's going to be able to do this much. That's a lot, but you can try it. There are coaches who I think can try to get away with this and can try to build this way. Um, and and I'm curious then for Michigan because this path is so unique and and so difficult to replicate what it looks like if Harbaugh does leave, because I don't know, like we've talked about before, I don't know exactly who you hire to do that. I, I'm i sure that Jesse Minter or uh, Sharon Moore would be the <laughs> the easy pick. I would advise them against making the easy pick, because usually the easy pick is wrong, uh, as we have seen and, and we've talked about countless times with like power G5 programs that hire 
from from within. Um, I would say maybe try to look a little bit just beyond whoever's down the down the hall from you. Um, but I, I just I don't know exactly what it looks like without Harbaugh because he is such a he's such a hard guy to to repeat. He's such a hard guy to match. He is he is really just kind of alone in his own in his own category as a college football coach. And if he's not still coaching Michigan, I don't know exactly what that looks like. Maybe you bring in a guy who's a little bit better of an actual high school recruiter and you make up for it that way. But I I don't know exactly what that future looks like until I know who's going to be their head coach next year. And I don't think it's going to be Jim Harbaugh because I think Jim Harbaugh has done what he wanted to do. I think Jim Harbaugh's, his, his path at Michigan is for all intents and purposes done. And if he can leave, I think he will because what else does he need to do? He led him to a championship. He took him to a Rose Bowl, yeah, which is what he wanted originally. He, back he when left Matt the program was... in a vastly better place. Than he was. Yeah, I mean, unbelievably better place. Yeah, yeah. Back, back when the the Rose Bowl was like, I mean, that's like permanently seared in his brain as the ultimate goal of a season. He won the Rose Bowl and then he won the championship anyway. Uh, even though the Rose Bowl isn't for the championship anymore, he did it. That was his goal. I don't know what else he has to accomplish here. I think it's if you're ever going to pass the sticks to somebody else, this would be the time to do it. I would just, again, I would caution against just going down the hall. I, I don't think that Sharon Moore or Jesse Mentor would necessarily be the right answer for this because it just usually doesn't work. Um, I, I would say look look elsewhere. <laughs> look, look at anywhere else and try to find somebody who can take advantage of this new level of national buzz that is around Michigan as a program that can and now has won a national championship in the modern era and recruit on that and build up the talent base even higher and make up for the the departure of Harbaugh and everything that he brings good and bad by building on this in a different way rather than just trying to do the same thing with a copy of of the original it doesn't work it just it just it it will be diminishing returns because it always is um, and I'm curious, I'm really, really curious to see how Michigan handles that because I don't know how much I trust them to navigate in a position like that. I don't know that I, that I really believe a whole lot in that athletic department right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I agree with that. I, I think certainly like this win is not a result of like great work done by Ward Manuel, right? <laughs> he was, I mean, he like was that. there. He was, <laughs> he was certainly in the building. Yeah, I don't think he would give him a lot of credit for this or anyone would. Um, but yeah, and, and like, of course, the impossible question to answer, like the idea of even, you know, hiring more mentor is like, can you? Uh, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to play the sanctions game too much, but Nothing about my information that has changed. Like everyone yeah. I talked to is still pretty insistent that there's going to be show causes for those guys. Yeah. Um, as well as for Harbaugh. So uh could you actually hire them or you have to hire them promote you know in, in a important interim like three months later? Uh <laughs> I think that's possible. Um I don't know. I, I mean, like, are you gonna hire Mike Hart? Like I, I just don't know who they go to. That they seem now after like the founderings of the of uh, the Rich Rod era, they're never going to go away from Michigan men again, which, by the way, I should point out is a lesson that Ohio State's athletic department should take. I won't linger too long on this, but uh, our buddy Ben Axelrod did post uh, the eight coaches in Ohio State history who allowed a Michigan championship on their watch, and uh, <laughs> all of them except two uh, were not born in Ohio, uh, and also all of them except two were from before World War II, uh -huh. but neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, Ohio State should hire Ohio natives, and Michigan should hire Michigan alums or Michigan. 
Yeah. It's or, or people who work there. It's pretty much that straightforward. Um, the, <laughs> that's the way it should be. It's the way God intended it. And I don't know who that is for Michigan if it's not. I don't know if more qualifies the Michigan for them. I think generally they've been okay to take former coaches and call them that. Um, they don't have kind of the same stringency maybe as the Ohio native policy for Ohio State. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like if it's not more mentor, you can't hire those guys. I guess it has to be Mike Hart. I don't know who the fuck else you hire. I truly don't. Yeah, uh, he's not from Michigan, but I think that an answer that you're probably going to see at least in a couple places is Brian Kelly who has coached in Michigan and has certainly coached in the area. Sure. I think if you could get him, that would be a pretty good idea. I don't, I would not. Yeah. PJ Fleck has too. Yeah. PJ Fleck. I think that would be much worse, <laughs> but <laughs> Brian, Brian Kelly, I think would be a damn good hire. If you can get him, uh, that would be a, that would be a task. Um, maybe he's a little bit sick of the sec. I would be, <laughs> I, I don't, I wouldn't want to spend any amount of time there, but he decided to, um, maybe you can try to get him with the pitch that, Hey, this is like, this is like exactly like Notre Dame, except we can win a national championship instead of, you know, just kind of being there. Um, maybe you can do that. I don't know exactly what that, I don't know exactly what that pitch meeting would look like. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Brian Kelly's interest would be in that. Um, but the, the internal hire, especially if you have to dip down into somebody like Mike Hart, that's bleak. That's not what you want after this. And I think that that keeping up the momentum of this is a is a challenge. Obviously, it's always a challenge to continue to win a lot of football games. It's not it's not easy to do. It's not easy to win a national championship, and it's not even to, not easy to even be just in contention for one. Um, even as the the playoff field expands and hiring just some guy who was there who wasn't even really a coordinator whose connection is just that he played there and he's been on the staff is that's, that's kind of, that's kind of troubling to me. I would hope that they don't do that. Um, and I am curious to see just what the future holds for these guys. Cause I don't know that there is an immediate answer and <laughs> I don't know that there's going to be a ton of like, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of pressure to, to, to care about it when there probably should be. There probably should be a lot of focus on like, hey, make sure you get the right guy here because if you're just floating off of the the euphoria of a championship, you could fuck this up really, really bad really quickly. And we've seen that happen before. Um, and, and Michigan obviously would like to avoid that. And I think that, that the only way to do that is to be willing to look outside of the just the current guys who are who are there if you're hiring mark mike hart you are in a you're in a rough spot that's not what you want that's not a good place to be um and if you can't hire more or or mentor i i don't know i don't know where that path leads you but michigan's in a really interesting spot here i i I think that the the future of michigan the immediate future of michigan is fascinating and I really don't know that even like the people who would know best, right? Like the people who are keeping up day in, day out with Michigan football, who are tracking all of this this stuff, who know who the likely departures and returners are, who know who would be on that candidate list. I don't even know if they know. I, I think that it is really, it's a wild card in a way that this sport hasn't really seen in a while to have a national champion that is immediately cast assuming Harbaugh leaves, which I think he's going to, I am assuming that that is immediately cast into such a not precarious position, but into such a, a, just a a tricky position, honestly, a, a position where you can really easily 
lose this steam if you make the wrong hire. And I would yeah. say that like Michigan fans obviously enjoy the championship. This is what you this is what you've been waiting for. You are back yeah. at the pinnacle of the sport, and you absolutely should enjoy that. But also, don't just take sure, whoever. Or don't. That's fine. Or or let this eat the back. <laughs> let it rob all the joy. Don't don't enjoy this at all. Immediately start thinking about the future of what comes next. Yeah. And that's what and, champions and lose do. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let it drive you completely insane. <laughs> yeah just have, let that greed consume you. yeah feel the, the need and the power for more 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 yeah yeah that's what i would want you to do yeah <laughs> i won't uh i won't go quite that far i don't have the hate in my heart for michigan that i once had um but like this is all i can do i can't talk shit about fucking anything yeah they, uh, they, on the field they, so all i can do is try to worm this seed of fear into their hearts you're so um, you're sowing doubt in the mission you're trying to <laughs> trying to create yeah split uh split you know factions within the community you're 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 going cia mode on michigan fans. it's all i can do what else could i possibly do yeah, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to arm a, a group of you know uh, of moderate rebels that i can support um but I mean, yeah look look we don't know who they're gonna hire did you i mean there's no hire they can make it seems or that they're talking about seriously unless you hire like matt campbell or pj Fleck, who suck unless you pull off yeah. ryan kelly's account which yeah, I know there was a report about that. I sincerely fucking doubt it, uh, especially if because if you have any kind of sanctions, because the the plan seems to be that like unless Jim miraculously comes back, which basically means the NFL didn't want him, right? He's not coming back with his own volition. He achieved everything he wanted to achieve. If he comes back, it's because the NFL said that he might just um, fucking retire. He might just sure, retire. Whatever. Rather than trying to continue to do it, he won it. He did it. What else could he possibly fucking want at this point? Yeah, maybe he'll just die. Yeah, um... <laughs> he'll die. He'll die of he'll die a good Catholic death tonight. <laughs> yeah, um, with a glass of fucking milk. But yeah. look, if we assume there's no scenario with Jim Harbaugh's back, then it seems like their plan is to either hire more or mentor, uh, unless there are significant sanctions, including show causes on those two coaches. In which case you go to an external candidate, or, or maybe you could also do the, the lesser internal hire of Mike Hart, which we've talked about as perilous. Your external candidates are like Matt Campbell, PJ Fleck, and the you know miracle throw for for Brian Kelly, which I sincerely doubt. Uh, I don't know who else you look at in the Midwest who makes more sense than that, or like who yeah. fits the profile. There's not really any other Michigan men available, and those guys barely are anyway. Yeah. Um, and then next year. You know, you play Texas and USC in September. Uh, you get Washington uh, you get Michigan State, which I don't think is going to be very good. Yeah, but it's certainly improving in October. You have Oregon and Ohio State in November. Uh, and that yeah, I'm not even including games against, like, uh, I think Minnesota is going to be competent. I think Indiana could be competent. I think Illinois could be competent. Yeah. Uh, they're Like, if you don't get a good coach there, if the core of talent leave, things like it is, this is kind of their last dance season. You are, you could look at a pretty significant step back next year. The recruiting classes aren't great. Who knows if, like, with a new staff, the transfer portal success continues? It seems like a lot of that was predicated on this idea of Michigan's excellent development. Uh, and if you have a new coaching staff, that's hardly guaranteed, right? Yeah. Even if you have an inter, you know, an, an internal promotion carry on legacy. There's no guarantee that's going to keep going. Well, and going. and another thing that like this is we've seen this we've seen this is tangible. You can measure this. You can you can see it. The effect of a team that is running it back, that is bringing back basically everybody for a championship run in the transfer portal, 
is immense. It's huge. It's a huge, huge, huge boon for your transfer portal recruiting that you can go and get immediate starters and say, hey, do you want to win a fucking championship? Because we're bringing everybody back and we want to win a championship. If you can't say that in portal recruiting, it's going to negatively impact your portal recruiting. It just will. You, you have less to sell. You, you have lost, you've lost one of the greatest things that you can sell, which is that you're going to win a lot of football games. And if you don't know that, you are now working from a place of uncertainty. And Michigan now has the benefit of saying that we won a championship. But if it's a new coaching staff with a lot of new players and a lot of new starters specifically, it becomes a much more it becomes a much harder sell for guys like Josiah Stewart, who were looking to join a contender, who were looking to join a serious like you can see it. This is a championship team if we add one or two more pieces. If you can't say that, it's a lot harder to sell. And that's going to be something to bump up against as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, it's unknowable. I think we talked about it at length. I um, I want to go stew in my own anger at this point. So if you don't mind, I think we could probably wrap up here for the podcast. Yeah, we we did a we did a uh, clean fifty seven minutes somehow. I don't know how we got how we managed to get fifty seven yeah. minutes out of this. Uh, I'm going to go wash some dishes. That's my big plan for this evening. So I will let you stew. Yeah. I'm going to rinse some dishes off. I'm going to get all in there. I got my own process for it. Uh, We will be back at (laughs) some point. Who knows? We're going to need a little bit of time, I think, to recuperate from this season. Um, But we will be back. We will be back on the premium feed as well. Meetatmidfield.com is, of course, the website if you would like to subscribe. We have stuff going all through the offseason. It does not end with this game. We will have stuff throughout the nine months of, uh, of interim time. Uh, and we will be back on this podcast on the free feed at some point. So um, probably a good time to thank you all for uh, for listening, for supporting the show, for subscribing, for yeah. sharing it. We don't ever really do that. Uh, we have kind of an adversarial relationship with our fans, which I think is <laughs> good to keep you all on the, on the balls of your feet. Um, but uh, we really do appreciate it, even those of you who seem to be hating, who seem to be listening exclusively for the sake of hating us. <laughs> Um, we appreciate that too, because guess what? The listens count all the same, and uh, I don't really care how we get them. So if you hate us, keep it up. Uh, if you love us, that's nice too. Uh, thank you all, of course, as always, for listening to Flipping the Field this season. Uh, we will be back with, somehow, more of this shit. You guys seem to love this shit. We're going to keep on doing it, uh, and we will talk to you all soon.